Welcome. Welcome to 2020 and welcome to our first podcast of the new year. This is Jeff Kober and it is a pleasure to have you on this uh, Disney at Play podcast. And we're excited, especially excited I am uh, today to be joined by my partner in crime, David Zanola. David, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you, sir? Ah, doing well, doing well. Uh, Do you have a good uh, Christmas, New Year? I did. Yeah, it was good. We went, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, but we decided to do experiences instead of presents for our kids this year. So I took my boys and surprised them to take them to Galaxy's Edge in Orlando. So uh, my brain is fresh, only a couple weeks away from having visited the land completely open. So it'll be good to have a little bit of a discussion of uh, what what we've learned and, and what the interwebs have, have taught us since. <laughs> yeah, so that is the purpose of our podcast today. We are going to offer you tips for visiting Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios. You definitely want to check out our link uh, or the links that we'll provide on our show notes page at Disney at Play. But especially, uh, we are basing a lot of this off of uh, what is the official um, or unofficial guide to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which we came out with, wow, I think we came out with it like back in May of last year, April, May, well, actually even before that, in advance of Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge opening at Disneyland and then later opening at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And it is the most complete guide I feel that is out there. Um, and it is definitely worth checking out and just subscribe to our newsletter and you get it for free. And uh, what we're going to focus on now, Disneyland is opening in only a couple of weeks. Uh, it's uh, Rise of the Resistance, but we wanted to talk about tips for doing all of Galaxy's Edge, especially Rise of the Resistance, because it has opened here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And... Um, and just, uh, David, I've given my review of Rise of the Resistance. What's, uh, what's your uh, nickel uh, review? My nickel tour? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, they, you know, the, the best thing that I can think of that I hear when I talk to people that have written it is they say there, are, there just aren't any words. It's really hard to describe what they've done in terms of it being a surrounding... Uh, immersive experience you know when when we talk when park nerds talk about things like that right we'll say things like or we're comparing it to something like i don't know peter pan's flight right a classic disney dark ride but if you really turn your head around and you look around you can easily see some of the tricks they're using and what's intentionally dark and what's intentionally not and so yes it's a created environment but you can tell that it's a created environment simply if you wanted to on rise of the resistance it feels like you are in a movie uh the entire time we were fortunate enough that uh we had no breakdowns we wrote it very early in the morning it didn't have any troubles yet at that point and so our experience other than a couple of hurry and wait moments uh, was pretty seamless, and so we were very fortunate in that manner. It was a blast. I wish we could have ridden it more than once. We were just down to do that, so we couldn't. I was there on opening day, and I've been there uh, several times since, actually going there tomorrow morning as well. And so um, we have some really good insights, I think, to bring to you, not just about how to uh, experience Rise of the Resistance, but but just absolutely maximizing your experience at, at Galaxy's Edge. And I think we have, to do that, we have to talk about before you get there. And it begins with first 
the issue of staying on Disney property. Now, I'm a little controversial, especially with my good friend David, who is the perfect go-to guy when you're trying to book your, your next vacation. So I think there are so many reasons for staying on Disney property. I'm just not sure that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge offers you uh, that there's a distinct advantage for staying on property uh, in favor of uh, visiting Galaxy's Edge. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, now in terms of them still ironing out, make no mistake, I believe they're still ironing out how the boarding process for Rise of the Resistance is working. They haven't opened fast passes for Millennium Falcon yet. Uh, so to that degree, uh, probably not. Once they start making those eligible for extra magic hours, that will help. And for some of the experiences, staying in a Disney resort, you you widen your uh, your dining reservation window, which does mean you get a little bit of an earlier access to grab Oga's Cantina, uh, as well as uh, the droid and the uh, Savi's workshop lightsaber experiences yeah. um, by eight or nine days. Technically, it would be the maximum that you could kind of bump out your window. So if those things are important, yes. Uh, and maybe getting there early in the morning doesn't help, but when you think about leaving the park that day, having that transportation uh, does make it nice. And I just think there are so many benefits and things are just much more smooth, but not all people can uh -huh. afford that. Uh, so right now, until they really have finalized how they're going to manage those processes for the long term, right? We're still only right now recording on January 3rd. And so holiday crowds are still there. Marathon crowds will be coming, uh, you know, next weekend. And so we're still all really in the infancy in terms of them figuring out exactly how this is going to work. And make no mistake, they have a fast pass line built at Rise of the Resistance. So the, you would assume they're going to use it at some point. Uh, we just don't. Yes. yes. We, we don't know when. Today was actually the first day that it would have been, or to see, um, no, 60 days from tomorrow is the opening of uh, the Runaway Railway uh, Railroad Ride, and that is not hmm. Fast Pass eligible yet. So I don't know if they're going to wait to drop those or what. So I think the studios is still kind of in flux right now in terms of figuring out how they're going to manage their new Fast Pass reality uh, with three extremely popular attractions. Yeah, we need to say as a caveat, you know, a lot of this may change in the months to come. We just know that for the next three, a couple of few months, that it's these these ideas are going to work for you. And there are many ideas that will work for you regardless of when you come. I will say one thing we haven't talked about is that the ultimate advantage, probably for maximizing your Galaxy's Edge stay, will be when you stay on the uh, Disney Starline Cruiser at the, the new Star Wars Hotel when it opens up in 21, David? I believe that's what they've said the target is, yeah. And do you, and, and when they do a reservations for, for either Disney hotels or for um, the cruise line, how, how far in advance do they, do they make those available? So for Walt Disney World Resorts, technically you can book real far in advance, but it doesn't really give you any advantage because they're kind of just guessing on what prices can be. The easiest time to book is typically around June, uh, middle of June or so, and I'm, I'm guessing on that, but middle of June or so is when they open up bookings for the next year and then they kind of open them up slowly for the rest of the year for the resorts. The Disney Cruise Line, 
they're typically about 15 to 18 months. They, they, they drop them out in chunks. So you can be booking up to a year and a half or so out uh, in, in many instances. So probably by summer, we'll kind of have a sense of when this thing is, is going to open. Would you, would you think that's a fair guess? I would assume they will know by then if they're really going to plan on opening it, you know, maybe in the fall of 21. But, I mean, here's the thing. We, the last five years or so have not been entirely normal in terms of Disney sticking with, with deadlines, right? I mean, they move, yeah. they, they move the runaway railway. Um, you know, and, and so they didn't really give a lot of heads up, at least not like normal about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I thought they sprung that on us fairly late in the game in terms of when they typically do. So I don't know that it's unheard of with everything you have coming out this year and next before the 50th with Tron. And if you take the Skyliners, you can see they are cranking along construction for Ratatouille over in France with the Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy yeah. building, mm -hmm. which seems to be mm -hmm. absolutely enormous. Lots going on. Uh, I mean, that. you know, the, it's I, I don't I don't really know that we can trust anything as firm. And in fact, if you notice any official press release that Disney gives about something, they aren't really announcing dates anymore. They're announcing seasons, right? Coming summer of 2020. Well, what Disney can technically count as summer and what the rest of us might count as summer are two entirely different things. And so it's kind of just like a, like a holding pattern where we continue to circle and wait until the, the call to land. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an appropriate analogy. So consider that, just know that right now for Galaxy's Edge, there's no real advantage staying on property, but there may be in the future. Um, second, this is a definite download your My Disney Experience app. Don't wait until you get to a park to download this app. Many do it when they're doing fast passes in advance of their trip. Um, but make sure that you not only do it, make sure everyone's ticket is registered on the app, that you're all linked up. Um, that means you want to buy that ticket prior to entry. Don't go doing it the morning of. Um, you want to do it well in advance, uh, become familiar with the app, become familiar with the section on Galaxy's Edge. Here's a little thing I experienced one morning when I did it. I was there <laughs> literally five minutes before opening. That's all you have to do is be there five minutes before the official park opening. But I got ready to, 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 to go on the app like everybody else and my app wouldn't take and everybody else's was. I realized that I needed to restart my my iPhone. And uh, so restart your device well before you get there that morning so that you just don't have any hiccups accessing the app and its features. You want to make sure everything's good to go um, when you when you get going. Any other thoughts on that, David? Well, I think the, the, the caveat there would be not just to get there before five minutes before opening, but make sure that you have enough time that you can guarantee you are through the turnstiles yes. by that time. Because I, it's, it's since everybody has fair game at the exact same moment, you could probably show up 30 minutes before. I don't know that you're getting through security in the turnstiles within 30 minutes if crowds continue on their, on their current trend. Uh, and I, we'll I, talk about that more in a second. So absolutely. First, and that, and that involves, our next thing, which is planning your transportation. And for me, I drive from home. David, you when you stayed at the hotel a couple of weeks ago, you were at a Disney hotel. You could have taken a Disney bus, but 
you did something else instead, didn't you? Yeah, we did a we just basically did a ride share, uh, and that was simply because I didn't want to take anything to chance. And back again, this shows how often or how frequently things are changing. The boarding process and how you got boarding passes was drastically different than it is at the time we record this, and it could change again. And so at the time, the way the system was set up, it worked much more to our advantage. I didn't have to worry about a bus um, being full and having to wait for a second one. So I wanted to just control everything. And so, yeah, we, we scheduled the car ahead of time and had it pick us up. And we were at the park um, a good two and a half, two hours and 40 minutes before park opening. Now, you that I don't think you need to do given the current status of how they're running the park. But in terms of getting so, so much, uh, getting there so much earlier. Again, I literally parked my car 10 minutes. I had no bags. I literally ran through. Security was open. I managed to get through turnstiles. I wouldn't recommend that to others. In fact, what we say is on our next thing is get into the park prior to opening. We can't emphasize this enough. Um, you, you can't. You can't get a boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance, which is why we're getting there so early. You can't get that boarding pass if you are not in the park. And so showing up at the park 15 minutes early may not get you. Like David just said, you want to make sure you are well beyond, you know, that you're through security, that you are through the turnstile or touch point, and that, that you are into the park. Um... And a lot of people, by the way, we should we should just state from the outset. A lot of people think, well, that's okay. If I can't get that boarding group, I'll just go and stand by and we'll just wait in line longer. I don't mind waiting longer. There is no standby. Currently, there is no standby. There's no waiting in line. Either you have a boarding pass and you're getting on or you don't have a boarding pass. Um that's that's really how it's breaking down into this. There's no standby line at this time. So so with that, you have to make a boarding pass. Um, and so at the designated time, opening time of the park, and sometimes it can be a couple of minutes even earlier before that designated time, I saw and, and talked a little bit about, um, we should put in a link to um, uh, touring plans. Uh, dot com, shouldn't we, David? And talk a little bit about uh, what you're seeing in terms of of being able to make a boarding pass right at, at the opening of the park. Well, I mean, again, we are recording this just a couple of days after New Year's, but uh, on January 2nd, boarding passes were gone four minutes after park opening. So extremely fast. Now, again, I think these are outlier times. Uh, because I think that this is the this is the busiest week of the entire year. So I'll be interested by the time you get into the first week of February or so, um, once holiday crowds are gone, or maybe even into later January, what that looks like. But yeah, Touring Clans has been tracking them, and it doesn't seem like they're calming down at all. Uh, but they are going very very fast. Well, here's the reality: as as the holiday crowds move out, and then there's the marathon, and as that moves out, it does go to a softer period. But what the park will do is it will push back its opening time, potentially push back its opening time. Right? You know, during the during the heart of the holidays, it was six a.m. Right now, it's at seven a.m. It could easily go within a week or two to eight a.m. or back to, eventually to nine a.m. 
And that means that there's going to be just that many more people trying to get in the park um, prior to opening. So again, doesn't matter what the stated opening time is. The fact is, whatever that is stated opening time is, get in the park before that time so you can make that boarding pass um, and then make it. Um, now, the good news is when you get your boarding pass, a fast pass usually gives you an hour to come back. But a boarding pass gives you two hours to actually come back and enjoy that attraction. And that's even assuming that it doesn't break down. So, so given that, you have a little bit more flexibility as to how you want to organize your, your stay. Because you don't know, and, and here's one of the things that they have been alternating. They've been changing the number of boarding groups, which, is, which number is the starting boarding group, how big a boarding group is. So you can't really say, oh, we're 30, we're boarding group 34. That probably means we're going to be on the ride at 930 in the morning. You don't know. You don't know. What you do know is that with the app, you're able to look at how fast boarding groups are being called up. And that app is going to tell you when your group has been called up, at which point you have two hours to go back and experience the attraction. And I think if there is one advantage to staying on Disney property, it is that you can easily take that Skyliner or that bus back to your hotel if you wanted to, if you just thought that was too early to get up in the morning. Go back, go back to sleep, go back and you know check it later on or go take the Skyliner to Epcot, which we have done, and then come back later. Um, uh, I'm doing breakfast tomorrow morning. We anticipate that maybe, you know, our boarding group won't move that quick. So we're probably going to take the Skyliner over to um, the new Riviera Hotel and do breakfast um, downstairs in uh, their little eatery there. And so you have a little bit more flexibility. Of course, you can do other rides and attractions at the studios, which is a great use of your time. Thought on that, David. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I mean, yes, technically you could leave and go somewhere else in a park. Uh, but I would, uh, you know, go to another park technically, because as long as you have your app, you can be anywhere and get back within two hours. I'm just a worry ward enough that I would rather just stay put. Stay put in terms I, of stay, get that. stay with close access back. So whether it's the Skyliner or whether you walk to, you know, the boardwalk and get something to eat or whatever, I would want to, because it is common for the ride to have downtime uh, due to technical difficulties during the day. I would want to get there as soon as my boarding group opens so that I can make sure that I give myself enough flexibility. I, I totally get that. Um, now, what is your backup to the, uh, by the way, um, well, well, what is your backup? If for some reason you're having trouble with your app or something's not quite working or, you know, you find you're in different groups, uh, different boarding times with the rest of your party, Find the guest experience team. Now, if you haven't been in the parks, the guest experience team has only been around for about about a year and a half at Magic Kingdom and then just really last six to eight, ten months in the rest of the parks. They are groups of individuals who are out in the park. They usually have a blue umbrella that they're standing underneath. They're different from guest relations. So don't go to a guest relations person for, the, for an issue with your boarding pass. Go to the guest experience team. There's... There's one right at the left as you get to the edge of Hollywood Boulevard by the statue of the filmmaker and by the opening dedication plaque. There's one by across from Star Tours. 
There's one down the street at uh, Sunset Boulevard. There's one between Walt Disney Presents and Toy Story. There's one by Rise of the Resistance. And I want to... Uh, I'm sorry, one by um, Smuggler's Run. And I want to say there's one by Rise of the Resistance now. Um, but they're definitely in the other locations. Um, probably the least busy is the one down Sunset Boulevard. So if you find there's a little bit of a line, time matters here. Go find go find one that's not well used. Probably Sunset Boulevard or or the one between Toy Story and um, and Walt Disney Presents. But get help, uh, and they're really they're really really helpful. Uh, we I ran into some colleagues and friends. I had a different boarding time, a much later one on one occasion, <coughs> and uh, my friends had a much earlier one. They actually, um, and actually they had two separate sets of, of, of that one guy had one that was like boarding group 12, one was 30 and mine was like 80 and they had already called boarding group 12, but they combined ours and gave us boarding group 17. So while that meant that the one had 12 had to wait a little longer, which was only a matter of a couple of minutes about the time we took the walk to Galaxy's Edge, the rest of us got them earlier. And I'm not going to... This is the advantage for listening to the podcast. You will get this tip only here. I'm not going to put this in the show notes. But you can combine your group if you got different times, and you might get an earlier one as a result. Might. And so, again, check out the guest experience team. They really are a helpful group. And if you're just sincere and polite, I think they're going to help you uh, on, your, on your stay. Now... Okay, now you got your boarding group. You're slated to go on Rise of the Resistance. At some point, you got to enjoy the rest of your stay. Again, you go back to your hotel. But if you're going to enjoy the rest of the other attractions, I've made a list of what I would put on if I didn't have fast passes for them. What What is your order that you would go on, David? I know you you are good that you get fast passes booked, you know, as soon as you can. Um but if you didn't have the fast passes, which would you go on while you're waiting at the very first of the, the day? Well, I'd probably try to do Smuggler's Run first since I'm there. And then I'd head over to Toy Story Land um, while lines are low. And it's a flexible thing, right? Because I think that the difficulty becomes... The difficulty becomes when you're go what what's important to you, what your party can ride, and what the weights are like. If I look at Toy Story Land and the weights are extremely high... Then I might head over to Sunset Boulevard and do uh, Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. So for me, it's much more of a of an ebb and a flow based on what's available at that time and what the wait times are like. So for me, I think I would try to hit up Slinky Dog Dash if I didn't have Fast Pass on it because it's a slower boarding. Um, Smuggler's Run adds a lot. Plus, there are a lot of people who get into the queue at Smuggler's Run. If you're at the very front of the park, which may mean getting there much earlier before park opening, definitely you could do a walk-on to Smuggler's Run. Um, but I think when you come back later in the day, you can you can have a pretty decent wait of less than 45 minutes on most days with Smuggler's Run. And, uh, and uh, by the way, when you're in the queue, this is a little tip too, you want to get your... Um, your uh, specialty Coke or uh, cola device, you know, and the uh, thermo 
what do we call those? The thermo detonator. Thermal thermal uh, detonators, yeah. Yeah, you know what? They have this small little um, stand in the queue for Smuggler's Run. That's a great place to buy a Coke and enjoy it while you're waiting in line. So uh, that's just a little tip um, on that. But um, so what if you uh, were not there or something went wrong the first 15 minutes when boarding groups were being handed out and now they're handed out? What do you do? Um, well, the good news is, is that they have created something called backup boarding groups, which if they are able to go through their standard boarding groups quick enough to throw the day and they don't have a lot of downtime, they will start going through the backup boarding groups. So there's no guarantee for getting on if you join a backup boarding group, but then again, you could be group number 40 and there's no guarantee you're going to get in because... You could always have something that pulls the thing down for hours at a time. Most of the time, the traction, when it's gone down, it's gone down for minutes, not hours. And so I think they're pretty good at that. But but know that you do have the option of doing a backup boarding group. Now, even those are delivered within the first hour or so, I want to say. Um, the, they do not last very backup close. Um, usually that's gone within within um, the first hour and a half afterwards, although uh, on later closing dates, that can be extended. And one of the things they did announce the other day is that they are going to have later closing dates, closing times for the studios. So um, that may help it a little. So if you get there in the first hour, hour and a half, you might be able to get into a boarding group. Well, and I actually think that's interesting. The whole backup boarding group is a very interesting and almost unnecessary concept because a normal boarding group does not guarantee that you're getting on the ride. So it'd be a different story if they were saying normal boarding groups you're guaranteed and the backup is only if we have time, but nobody's guaranteed. I mean, technically you could be boarding group number three and if the ride were to go down for the entire day, again, highly unlikely, but yeah, no, I, you're you not guaranteed a great number three. You ask a great question. And I think the reason is David is they're managing expectations. Yeah. I think they're determining that boarding group number based on what averages of number of people they've been averaging in, into, into the ride. And there that's creating their boarding group number. And then the backup boarding group has been above and beyond that. How much, you know, could we get on an ideal day? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that's actually, yeah, I, I had the same kind of knee-jerk response. And there's no guarantee for anybody. Why are you creating two groups? But I think this is about managing expectations. And I, I think it's pretty smart when I think it over. So yeah, we'll see how it plays sense. out. See how long it plays out. So now uh, let's talk about... Um, and I wouldn't mind a backup boarding group for Slinky Dog Dash. <laughs> for those who didn't have a fast pass, you know, you got into the park that morning and uh, and they say, hey, you know, but anyway, it doesn't quite work that way. So never mind. Uh, we've talked a lot about Rise of the Resistance and how to how to uh, get that opportunity while you're there. You definitely want to do that. Check that out. Let's also talk about some of the other aspects of Galaxy's Edge. Let's go to Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. I made a mistake the first time I did Smuggler's Run. It was at Disneyland's opening 
for whatever reason I do not know possesses me, I went into the single rider line. And the single rider line takes you right up to the cabin of the Millennium Falcon. And it was a startling transit. Uh, uh, a startling, a startling um, transaction to go from the outside to directly to the thing. It, it doesn't work for me. And I missed all the thematic details. I missed the animatronic um, uh, pirate of... Uh, who's our pirate guy? Hondo. Um, yeah, Hondo. I just missed a lot. The views of the Millennium Falcon from on top. I really feel strongly that the first time you do Rise or uh, um, Smuggler's Run, you need to do it hopefully in a smaller line, like a 30 to 40 minute queue. But you want to do it, or less, but I think you want to take in the standby queue because it is a pretty in impressive queue. That said and done, once you do that, go for the single rider because they board the single riders pretty fast and uh, as opposed to test track, which still seems like forever for single riders to get on. But, uh, but single riders at Smuggler's Run get on pretty quick and that gives you more opportunities to check out you know, different positions on Smuggler's Run and how to run it and that type of thing. Have you done Single Rider, David? Yeah, uh, we did it. I did it with the boys, but just as our second ride. And it actually took a lot longer than I thought it should have. I mean, we sat down on the steps for maybe 10 or 15 minutes because nothing was moving. Mm. Um, and I don't know for whatever reason it was. So I would not advise it as your first time through, but if you want to do a repeat ride. And the important thing to note is they don't always have the Single Rider line open. Um, and so, uh, you know, you'll have to kind of check, um, up at the front there, whether or not the single rider line is active because it's not always, at least not in Orlando. Another, another option you may want to explore, especially if you have family members, um, or friends who have special needs. I have, um, of course I've talked a lot about my, my autistic children, um, Special needs pass does not work on Rise of the Resistance. You still have to get, well, it does and it doesn't. Let me re-explain that. Your special needs child or individual, whoever's in your party, still needs to be in the park getting a boarding pass that morning of the day. That has to happen. Now, that special needs guest could go back to the hotel room and sleep after they've gotten the boarding pass until, until their boarding group is called. But... But uh, you don't, uh, so keep that in mind. Now that's said and done, I've had different, I have had different waits. How long, I don't know how long your waits have been at Rise of Resistance in the standby line before you get into the cave with, with um, BB-8 and, um, and Ray. I've had waits that went like within 10 minutes and I've had waits that have been longer than 40. Um, the good news is, is that with the special needs pass, you are able to go directly through what is already a dedicated fast pass line. So you essentially, you go into a cave, but you miss any exterior queue and you miss most of that labyrinth, which is the whole cave experience uh, for the standby line. So you will get in within five, 10 minutes, um, very quickly on the, uh, on the fast pass when you return later. 
So I think that's important to note is, is how they handle that. Um, I should also mention that they do special needs pass on smugglers run, which means you don't have to do the standby line. You can go on the fast pass line for smugglers run. It does, you see a, most of the queue, you, you don't see, you don't see it as well, but you do see portions of the queue and then you do get to see um, the, the, the whole portion. Um, boy, I keep forgetting our pirate. Um, Hondo. Hondo, thank you. Uh, you do see that portion and then you're in the, the remainder of that. So that's where it meets up is right before Hondo. Um, but a special needs pass is very, uh, a very workable thing when, and they and hand out those special needs pass right at the entrance to uh, Smuggler's Run. So you will want to take advantage of that if, uh, if you have that need in your group. The next thing, uh, let's talk about the virtues of mobile ordering. David, any, any uh, suggestions here, recommendations here? Well, in terms of Galaxy's Edge, mobile ordering, I think, works very well for uh, Ronto's Roasters, which just basically has those couple of, I don't know, what are they, like hot dog fajitas or hot dog pitas, maybe, because uh, there's only a couple <laughs> options. It definitely saves you time over at uh, the docking bay. I think the difficulty there is, I think that might be food that you actually need to see and sometimes look at a menu. And so mm. if you've been there before, if you know what you want, or if you've done your homework ahead of time, that can make life easy. But I've also never been in uh, in Docking Bay when it's been ridiculously overcrowded. And I don't know if that's just because people are not there at mealtime, uh, but I don't know that mobile ordering saves you as much time, in my experience, there as it would in Satuli Canteen or over in a Magic Kingdom restaurant at lunch or dinner rush. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm also typically there at off times. If I'm getting at the park very early in the morning and I get a wrap from Ronto's Roasters for breakfast, by the time I'm ready for lunch, I'm probably not still in that land. So I'm not there at a lunch rush time. So that might not be the best, the best evidence collection. Uh, but yeah. I found myself needing to look at that stuff on the menu and maybe see people walking away from the counter with it before I just ordered on the app where at other places, you know, Pecos bills is one that I think mobile ordering is fantastic in the magic kingdom. Very quick, very smooth. It really cuts down on massive lines. You, everybody knows what fajitas are. They know what nachos are. They know what burgers <laughs> are. Well, and, and so it's That's a true. lot more, you, That's true. You, so you know what you're getting a lot more. So my recommendation to that is be sure to seek out the greeter in front of docking bay seven. They usually have some menus in hand and they can kind of show you what you're looking at. The other thing I do is I pull out the mobile ordering app and there are images usually attached to the different mm -hmm. food items and descriptions as well. So I, I, I like to just go to a table and go around the table and get a table there and, um, and go around the table. What does everybody want to order? Order it and then go grab it. In one instance, I had a very large group and we ordered breakfast from both Docky Bay 7, Ronto Roasters, and the Milk Stand. And I was doing mobile ordering from all three. And that sounds crazy, but within 10 to 15 minutes, I had, I had a group of 13 people 
with food from all three different locations. So I just, I can't say enough about the virtues. And you're right, with the, with Ronto Roasters and the milk stand, you just have to put in the order. And I mean, you can put in the order literally standing in front of them, say, I'm here, step out to the counter. Oh, you're, you're Jeff and they hand you your stuff and go because they always have it ready to go. Same with milk stand. They'll, they'll fill up the, the cup and you're on your way. So I never wait in line at Ronto Roasters, which can be, uh, that is a place where there always seems to be a line. Is yes, that correct. particular attraction. So, and don't forget, I love the popcorn next door. So um, there isn't a, mo I wish there was a mobile ordering app for that, but, uh, but definitely that is another uh, food order. Um, another tip that I love to give people is to go through all the doors. There's so many things to see. I fear that a lot of people think it's just the two rides, the cantina, and we go. And they miss, I mean, to walk into, and the best example of this is Doc Ondars. Mm -hmm. If you don't buy anything in Doc Ondars, to go in and see that crazy animatronic, to see all the different, uh, it's almost museum as well as retail, um, to see all of it on display and everything, it's very cool. But you know what? There's no real sign in English saying gift shop here. And you'll miss it if you don't know what you're doing. So so look for where people are coming in and out and go in there as well. Uh, same thing. Uh, my, I was talking about uh, today. We're actually going over there to do um, my, it's my daughter's birthday and she's going to do the droid experience and uh, build a droid. And I, and I mentioned, Kath, you ought to do that with... Um, with Madison and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I've been inside Build the Droid. Now she's been to Galaxy's Edge several times and she hasn't been in that shop necessarily. It's easy to miss these things. And so you want to make sure that you go through all doors and you just check out the whole property as you're going through. Agree? Yeah. Thoughts? No, yeah, I, I think I think the one thing that is problematic with Doc Undar specifically is it's really small in there, and I don't think it's conducive to just kind of looking around. I think it it, it becomes tricky. I mean, I was looking around once, and I got ran into, or I ran into people numerous times because I'm looking up, and it's not a really big space right inside of there. And so trying to find something like that at the off times uh, when it may be when the you know when everybody may first get there or maybe near the end of the night, I think it's a lot more enjoyable of an experience. But I think you're right. There's some really cool stuff in those shops. Another great thing while we're on the conversation of shops is to buy a gift card. Now it's not just any standard Disney gift card, but there is a special. It's called Spira. Spira. I don't Spira. know. Spira. Yeah. It's a medallion. It's very cool looking, and it's. And it's a free keepsake when you buy. You have to buy at least $100 in a gift card. But if you're planning on doing Droid Depot or you're planning on Build a Saber or you're just planning on spending $100 in shopping anywhere on Disney, go get that gift card. And then you get that extra freebie um, to kind of as a as kind of a little souvenir of your experience. I think it's one of the great little freebie souvenirs like the... I, you know, I have over on my shelf the, the Coca-Cola, uh, you know, container from the, uh, from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge too. I just, I just really kind of love that. Uh, 
Of all the character interactions, which one have you enjoyed the most, David, in Star Wars? So my kids on this most recent trip got to play Sabacc with Chewbacca. No kidding. And and Chewbacca knew how to play. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He was playing there uh, right over at that little stand where they kind of have the some of the toys and everything on display right across from the bathrooms. And they walked up and they asked one of the townspeople if they wanted to play Sabacc because they had learned how. And they said, sure, let's get a bunch of people to play Sabacc. And then Chewbacca was walking around and walked right up. So I have pictures of my kids playing Sabacc with Chewbacca. So it was kind of, that's a tongue twister. Uh, it was it was, it was was definitely one of those neat experiences that I think they remember more than, than some of the other stuff. That is, that is really cool. Um... I've had uh, I've had a couple of great character experiences. The, the very first day when I went into Disneyland, uh, when everybody was going into Smuggler's Run, I saw Chewbacca standing there on that porch overlooking um, the Millennium Falcon, and he was by himself. And I just went up there and grabbed a, a selfie with him right at that moment, and it was like great, you know, here's this opening moment, and uh, it was a great experience and. I've had some others. One of the fun ones is to look for Kylo Ren. He makes appearances, but he does it from what seems to be about 10 o'clock to four o'clock on the hour. But when he makes that appearance, he makes he steps out of that high echelon, mm-hmm. um, which is located in the one corner of uh, Galaxy's Edge. And he has this... Uh, there's a commander also of the area. There are stormtroopers as part of this little scenario. And he get, he not only comes out of the echelon, he walks around among the guests and has conversations. And they're pretty funny conversations that guests, you know, very cool moments that guests have with uh, Kylo Ren. I would definitely, definitely make sure you check that out. And then um, of our list of of uh, big tips I think this is a this is an important one come back at night because this land just takes on a different feel in the evening so different than what you get during the day and I can't I love taking in that whole aura that whole feeling it's just a great time to be at Galaxy's Edge your thoughts yeah, I like the, I mean, it's it feels like a totally different land. And if I dare say this, I think that it succeeds in uh, where Pandora fails. I mean, we've talked before on this podcast that I think Pandora is really dark at night, especially if you have poor vision. I know they increase the lighting, but I still think it's kind of difficult to get around where I think Galaxy's Edge is not that way because it feels like a town or a city. Uh, I, I think it feels more, I think it's a lot better lit and I just think it has a different kind of energy uh, at night than it does than it does during the day. <coughs> um, now, beyond that, there are some other things you ought to be checking out while you're there, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. We list them in our um, unofficial guide, complete guide to to uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But um, Star Tours just recently added new scenes with um, Rise of the Skywalker. Um, you are actually surfing in the waves in front of the Death Star that's crash landed on, on uh, Endor. 
and you have uh, you you are given instruction by Lando Clarissian. So one of the great things is uh, Star Tours is almost walk on several times during the day. So definitely check out Star Tours, especially if you love you know the original trilogy. You you get a lot of that with um, C3PO and R2D2, and it's just it's great. Um, as you exit that, you have Tatooine Traders. Uh, you have still Star Wars Launch Bay is still very much operating, and there are meet, character meet and greet experiences there with um, particularly Darth Vader um, over there. Uh, you have the Star Wars Galactic Spectacular as well as Star Wars A Galaxy Far, Far Away uh, that's going on. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you come up to the Chinese theater, you actually will find R2-D2's and C-3PO's uh, footprints in the uh, cement as traditional to, um, to, uh, to doing that. And then we also offer some photos and overview of the new Star Wars uh, hotel that is coming. So it's just one piece of a huge uh, complete guide that uh, we invite you to check out. And as Disneyland opens, now Disneyland has said that they are going to follow the same boarding plan procedure, uh, which is interesting because that would mean that technically you don't need mobile ordering. You just need the app. Is that how you're thinking it through, David? Yeah, I'm not. I'm. Here's the, the weird thing is, well, I don't know how everything's going to interact with MaxPass. Um, yeah, I, and I sense that it won't is is what it amounts to, as well, it right. relates I'm to just, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, so I would assume it's with Rise of the Resistance, it's going to be very similar, and they'll have learned, you know, they'll have had a month or so of experience and data in Orlando, and that's the one nice thing about the boarding group process, even though it may be infuriating for some, is they can change it day by day right they can easily test and adjust if they think they're letting in too many or they're going too quickly i mean there's nothing to say that they could you know like they do with fast passes uh you know the old paper fast passes where they could kind of control how many paper fast passes those machines spit out there's nothing to say they couldn't eventually adjust the boarding group system to where they only gave out the first 30 boarding groups within the first half an hour the park is open and then turned on the second ones after a half an hour so that you don't have guests that say, I started trying five minutes after the park opened and they were already gone. What in the world? Yeah, um, and so yeah. I'm, I, I trust them. This is fair. Yeah, I, I trust them operationally enough to make those adjustments. But again where we're seeing these horror stories of it being four or five, six, seven minutes gone. That is during the busiest week of the entire year. So I don't want to get ahead of myself and say, it's always going to be that bad because we don't know that until the holiday crowds die down. So as we know more about Disneyland, we'll include it in the uh, complete guide. And, uh, and, uh, and then again, there's so much more in the guide to look at. One of the things that we have uniquely in the guide that you can't find anywhere else is an interactive map. So click on all of the buttons there and it will kind of give you a very comprehensive view of what is going on throughout that entire land and what you want to see and what you want to do. You want to, I remember when I was on Disneyland and on the 
on the ride for the first time with Smuggler's Run. A, a father and mother and daughter getting off the ride with me and they said, well, what else do you want to do? I guess we could go see the cantina before we go. Anything else? I, I felt like they were just missing all of Galaxy's Edge, which is such a huge land with so many pieces and components. So make sure you check that out and you kind of know what you want your adventure to be when you go there. So, and then bigger time, hey, uh, if you're trying to make this whole trip uh, a successful one, then you definitely got to go with exclusive travel by David. So David, uh, tell us what are, what are some of the, the things that folks who are booking with you right now are looking at? What are the big issues for them? And what are the interesting things you're focused on as you get them uh, scheduled for their next trip? Well, one of the things that I work on with all of my clients, anybody who books with me, obviously taking care of all of the plans for them, fast passes, dining, is I make sure the importance that I that I understand that every family is going to be different. There are going to be some fans that say families that say we don't care about Star Wars, we're good, we'll skip it, and that's fine. But if Star Wars is a priority, then I will make a plan for them that helps that be the priority, and then we adjust from there. I mean, don't forget. Studios right now is a very tricky park because it's where everybody wants to be, but you can currently only get one fast pass in advance for a ride. Um, apart from apart from Star Tours, uh, you, which they don't count as a normal ride for. So some Midway Mania but, and Tower of Terror and Rock and, rock and Roller, Roller Coaster. Coaster and Slinky Dog and Toy Story yeah. Mania and the Alien, Alien. Saucers. You can yeah. only get one. So except for that one ride, you're basically riding everything standby. Now, I would have to assume that's going to change when they click on fast passes for Smuggler's Run and for Mickey's Railroad um, and eventually for Rise of the Resistance. I mean, they're going to have to change that a little bit or there's just going to be an uprising. And I could be wrong, but I would think that they'd have to turn it to you get um, two rides and then the other one has to be a show. Uh, but again, having somebody, uh, a Disney specialized agent that knows all of those ins and outs, uh, because the fast passes and what they allow changes quite frequently. And so you may be going off of information from your last trip three years ago, and it's diametrically opposite to what it used to be. And so uh, that's, that's the importance for me when I'm working with someone is to design something for them. Very good. Well, hey, David, thank you for joining us on this uh, first podcast of the new year. And, uh, and uh, thank you for your insight. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, this is Jeff Gober again with a little bit of an update. We are releasing this podcast on the first Monday of the new year, but we had recorded it on Friday. On Saturday, I had the opportunity to go with a client to visit uh, Rise of the Resistance again at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Let me tell you, it was one of the most crowded days of the year. The fast passes, or boarding passes, as I should say, they weren't fast passes, they were boarding passes, were handed out within what seems to be about the first five minutes or so. I had difficulty getting on, and by the time I had gotten it figured out within five minutes, my pass was a backup boarding pass and not the actual boarding pass. Fortunately, the individual I was with uh, had an earlier pass and we were able to merge them and go on an earlier time. 
obviously when you visit, it probably will not be quite as crowded. But I did want to note that uh, we had talked about, well, what attractions do you go on while you're waiting to go on Rise of the Resistance? On this particular day, there were lines going to Tower of Terror and to Rock and Roller Coaster that went all the way out into um, Hollywood or Sunset Boulevard out onto the street. Uh, and this is well after opening. So there were literally thousands and thousands of people and all the attractions over at Toy Story Land and otherwise were just filled to capacity uh, very quickly. Now again, you're probably going to go on in a more off-season at a time where it's not quite as crowded. But you uh, probably want to pay attention to which attraction do you want to go on first. I said that you really didn't need to be in the park until opening in order to create a... Uh, reservation for a boarding group and that's true however if you are looking because you didn't have a fast pass or otherwise to go on slinky dog or tower of terror something of that nature midway mania then i might suggest that you be there even earlier into the park towards the front of the turnstiles so that when the turnstiles open you can move as far forward as possible to the designated attraction you care to to visit uh, you could be anywhere in the park to create that boarding group reservation. You don't need to be on the way to Galaxy's Edge. But uh, if, you, if it is important to you to ride some uh, attractions up front at the beginning of the day, then I really do suggest that uh, you get earlier into the park and be at the turnstiles well in advance of when they open pr prior to the official park opening. Well, anyway, this has been uh, a Disney at Play podcast. We are just so glad you joined us. We hope that this has been helpful to you. Remember to refer to the show notes page. You're going to have a picture of David, uh, David's uh, kids playing um, cards with Chewie. So take a look at that. It's a very cool photo. And um, we'll have some links. And make sure you visit our most complete, the most complete guide to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge get all of the information you need to plan the best uh, visit possible when you come to Walt Disney World. Again, thank you. And in the words of Sinbad at Tokyo Disney Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day.